right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to 614 Headsets. We're on the road again, and joining us tonight is going to be Nate Hillrich, head coach of the Pickerington North Panthers. It's been a minute since I've been here, and probably been a minute for you as well. About three years since I walked into the building. I walked in, and that's what Nate said. He was like, it's been a while since you walked in here, right? said, I, for sure. I almost felt like I was on autopilot. I just shut my eyes, and it was just the truck kept driving the same path. Hey, Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love, and we couldn't agree more. This game is a lifestyle, and that's why we consider our show a movement of that lifestyle. We are three high school football coaches from the Columbus area. That's why we're 614 Headsets who just live and love this game. And for us at Gahanna, we're getting ready to take off to our team camp, and it just feels like full swing. I know Nate, his team's already in pads. We're going to finally put the pads on. I'm excited. We're done with the seven-on-sevens, and it's real football time. Donovan, let everybody know what we're going to get into today. We've got some pretty cool stuff going on. Obviously, we're going to talk to Coach Hillrich, but we're going to talk a little bit about rivalry games, I think, which is cool in the city of Columbus to dive into, especially what you guys got going on here, which is unique, to say the least. And then we're just going to have a bit of a conversation, open conversation. And obviously at the beginning, we got our pick six segment, which you may have seen. So be ready for that mentally. It's, we got some crazy questions in there this time. All right. As we get started, hey, make sure you think about our sponsor of our show and thank them for helping us be able to do this mobile setup, Fundraising University. Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system will help your team maximize profits. As their current coach himself, Brent Maxwell of Fundraising University will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser. Fundraising University Ohio offers 60-minute donation platforms, digital and hard discount cards, and also their popcorn sale and many others. If you're interested in Brent running a fundraiser for you, reach out to him at bmaxwell at fundraisingtheletteru.net or 740-501-8946 to learn how you can get started with fundraising. And let's get it started here. So as we get started, Ryan, go ahead and introduce today's guest of honor. Excited to introduce this guy. Forever indebted to him for me, just giving me a chance right out of college. Coach Hillrich took a chance on me, let me join the staff. So I'm excited to do this podcast. I couldn't wait to get him on the show. Coach Hillrich, the head coach of Pick North High School. Talk a little bit about your journey in coaching. Yeah, and first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. It's always good to get back to guys that, that you coached with. Football is a family, like you said, and, and looking at you guys now, you both have kids. When you were coaching here, neither of you guys had kids. And it's interesting talking to Donnie Mack here. He asked if we played together. It's interesting. I either look that good as being young or you look old. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. But the journey, I knew I went, I played at Ohio Dominican. I knew I wanted to be a high school football coach. I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. While I was in college, I would go and visit with some high school coaches. So I'd go and visit with the Dublins and the Crabtrees. And I ended up meeting Bob Jacoby, who at the time was at the sales, had just transitioned to Hamilton Township. And I thought nothing better than to go to a place and try to learn from somebody who's been in six state championship games, one, two, and just kind of learn what it takes to win at that level. And then how long were you an assistant at Hamilton before you took over? Yeah, so it was an interesting situation. I was an assistant for two years. First year, we went 5-5. Five and five. The second year, we went 0-10, and, and it was a rough year. And Coach Jacoby decided to leave. 
And it was one of those things when they brought him in, they brought in one of the, the top coaches in Columbus. They paid him a lot of money. They created a position for him. And I think the district was like, let's just stay in house. And I was a young guy. I was eager. And fortunately, I got the job at 24 years old. And the first year went eight and two. So it was a quick turnaround. I got hired two months earlier than you, though. So I definitely beat you at that, though. I ended up, we had to do the math. We ended up doing the math at one point. He got hired at 24. I got hired at 24 as a head coach, but I beat him by two months, though. I'll take that. I know Coach Stout was young, yeah. too. Your I first was young, yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I was 23, 24. Yeah. I think I was 23. Donnie, what's up? You're next, right? 24 uh-huh. is a positional coach. Not a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I've told this story before how funny it is. So I'm 23 years old. I graduated in the winter. Uh, there was a long-term substitute spot in a football uh, opening at Crestline High School, the Junkyard Dogs. And what's, I lived my whole life 30 minutes from the school. Always went over to Ontario Mansfield, which was 10 minutes away. And when I applied, I had a Google map where it was. So it was just funny to see how it all worked out. And here I am. I just graduated. And two months later, I'm teaching. I'm coaching already. Uh, and I was telling somebody, like, just throwing yourself to the fire is just, I think, how you can expand and learn so much as a coach. Don't be afraid of doing that. Because there's certainly a lot of reasons why you would think at 23, 24, I'm not ready. I don't know enough about the game. But I think in the long run, you'll be a better coach for it. And so you, you were into that first year. How long were you the head coach there before you got this job? Yeah, so I was there seven years. And first year, eight and two. And it was one of those things. It's not that we were better coaches. I brought in a, a bunch of guys that I played in college with because none of them really had jobs. So I said, hey, why don't you come coach football? So we had a lot of our former staff. And I think we just got buy-in. So I was there for seven years. Final year, we went to the regional finals and, and came over here to Pickerington North. And you're going on what season now for this will be year seven, so my 14th year as a head coach. Man. He's, hey, hey, he's getting old. He is. He ain't there's not, there. there's he ain't no grays, though. That's, there, that's though. the crazy no. thing. There's no yeah. grays. He looks young still. He's got it too easy over here with all these athletes they got this <laughs> that's year. That's what it is. I mean, no stress. No stress at so, Pick North. So we're going to get into this famous Pick 6 segment. Nate has no idea what the questions are. We keep them private on the notes we send over. You'll go 2-2-2 two, two, and two from us. Take your time if you need to. Sometimes they can be at my wife. That's too hard to think about. At that. That's fine. <laughs> we kind of help sometimes fill that gap by answering ourselves if we need to. Hey, this summer for me, it has been daddy daycare, boys. I have watched my daughter every day, and this inspired my first question. And, Nate, what is your favorite ice cream sundae or popsicles? We have been smacking popsicles daily at the Stout household. <laughs> I'll tell you what, our kids, freeze pops is their go-to because they're cheap. So <laughs> we go through them a lot, okay, cheap yep, and easy. Yep. I got what are you worried about being cheap? You're yeah. over here at Pick North. There's no cheap. You got the in-ground pool out back, a whole Mr. lake Salt in your backyard. Water pool. Yeah, exactly. worried about Come popsicle on prices. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those are always a go-to. I think uh, cookies and cream, ice cream, little ice cream cones make kids. But uh, ice cream and anything like that is great in the summer. We've been smacking Rocket Pops. The Rocket Bomb Pops. My daughter loves them, and Mine's, I got no problem with them. Mine are the same <laughs> as Nate's, just them easy, cheap Push yeah. pops, you yeah. know what I mean? It's a little, like, long popsicle. We do those, we too. Those. We do those, too. Well, with the daycare, though, at the house, though. You know what I mean? So, like, we can't really get it too extravagant. we got to save some money. That's why you have a second freezer and you put the good popsicles there when the <laughs> turds leave. That's a fact. Yeah, that's, that's Donnie, wait, what's yours, man? It's just uh, classic graters, either Oreo or cookie dough ice cream. I'm not, like, a big popsicle or, like, crazy something. Why is fan. Donnie so weird? Yeah. Yeah. Graders, <laughs> graders, either one of those two options is best. Those are good options. I like those. Graders is expensive. That's my wife's yeah, go-to. That's some expensive ice cream. If I really feeling like I want to pleasure myself, 
No pause, sorry. <laughs> Treat myself. Might have to that one out. Maybe we'll just leave that. I'll go the the Ben and Jerry's half baked. You get the little cookie dough and fudge pieces in there too. That's, That's a good a man's go to right there. But I'll eat the whole thing and feel really bad about myself. All right, next one. What is your dream car you wanted growing up? I think everybody, as a, when you're growing up, you have a dream car or a truck or something you just always wanted. Stout wasn't here for the old Ford truck that my god Nate used to have. He had he used a to have really nice. There's no way he's got to say that he did get his dream truck. I want to know what was if like it, money's no worry. What did you maybe dream about having someday? I always wanted the big SUV, so a Tahoe with 20 inch rims, or now maybe 22s. But that's what I always wanted. Okay. I always wanted the big SUV. Big baller. Yeah. How about you? I like that. For me, I always wanted. This is basic though. I always wanted a Lamborghini. That's obviously. mine. Obviously, yeah, it's <laughs> a Lambo. Yeah. I have to have a Lambo. Yeah. What color though? I would never fit in it. I don't know. I'd have to go the lime green. Lime green. I have to go lime green. Like a purple too, or something. Yeah, maybe. like a Bam oh. Margera. Yes. Oh, white. <laughs> Donnie. You're gonna laugh a little bit. Well, I got I one. Say two. A Prius. <laughs> no, <laughs> God, about no. to. I always loved as a kid Mustangs. Newest version, oh, yeah. whatever the newest Mustang version was. I love the classic Mustangs too. Yeah. So that was one. And then my grandpa, he always told me a story of his 1967 Pearl Blue Pontiac GTO. And I looked it up as like a teenager. I'm like, that'd be fire. Car. Muscle that car would be fire it. too. Yeah, I like yeah. that. With like white, not white tires, but you know what I'm talking about? Like the white outline of the tires, all of it. Be sweet. Yeah, there you go. I like that. All right, Nate, here's my, here's the doozy for me is would you rather be guaranteed in your life one state championship? or be guaranteed to beat Pick Central every time you play them the rest of your life? I know that's going to be a tough one. That is a tough one. I read that, Mike. That's good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd take the Pick Central. Oh, really? I knew it. I, I would think so. Really? I, I, I would, too. I would I'm too. Gonna, I'm going to tell yep. you this. My first year here, and I, and I come 2017. I agree It doesn't him. say you're not getting the state championship, does yeah, it? Does that's it say what I, I was going to turn it into. Because I, first year here, we're, we go 10 and, two, 10 and 3. We go to the regional finals. We had two losses to Pick Central both times, regular season in the playoffs. In the regional finals, they go on to win the state championship. And I still remember my son is playing flag football, and I'm there, and a parent came up to me and said, man, it was a tough year for you guys. And it's my first year in Pickerington. I was like, a tough year? We won 10 games, went to the regional finals. And they're like, yeah, you lost to, to Pickerington Central twice. And I was just in shock because this community, that's – Everybody's there. That, that's what they think of. It's a big deal. I remember one time we, I, the coolest thing about coaching here was nice. If you had to get some groceries, you just hit Kroger across the street yeah, real quick yeah, before yeah. you go home. And we had lost a pick central that, that one week. That, that year we were on Sunday, ESPN TV. And it was, it, I just heard these guys just talking in Kroger. And I just had to put my head down and just get my stuff and leave. You know that's what the I mean? tough part so about hard. being in pick, man. Like you, you lose that game. I remember we didn't be pick central when I was here. And I had friends from college that, and I'm not from Pickerington, right? But you, once you join the program, you feel like you're from Pickerington, and you either hate the other team, or you and you love your team. There's no in between. I feel like in Pickerington, it's like you either hate them, or it's nothing else. All right, my next here we'll go to my next one. Having three kids in the household, right? You're busy now. You're rolling. I, it's tough to get Nate out for at least even one drink. You can't even get him for one drink. But if you ask, if I was to ask you or Lindsay, your wife, what's the dinner that's everyone's go-to in the household? What's your one thing? 
We have pasta all the time. Easy. You throw pasta, you boil it. You can have red sauce, white sauce, different meat, chicken, a lot of different options with it. But pasta is cheap, easy. And leftovers. I'm always trying to leftovers save money. Three, three kids. Yeah, pasta. yeah, leftovers. But I'd say pasta we have multiple times a week. I also, we love tacos. Tacos is a real easy one, too. I thought um, you were going to say pizza. Every time I've been to Nate's house, it's pizza every time on the counter. I, I would prefer to eat out every day if I could. <laughs> I and that's the truth. My wife likes to cook, so she'll cook pasta or, or any of those things. But for me, I'd order pizza every night of the week if I could. <laughs> no. Donnie, you're up. All right, my first one's a little tough, so if you got to think about it for a little bit, we might all have to think about this one too. If your life was made into a movie, what would the theme song of that movie be? I know. That's a tough Shout thing. out to my fiance for helping me with these questions. We had to get through the first couple because the first couple questions, I'm like, I can't. That's way too hard. So then <laughs> this was like the fourth or fifth option that we came up with. Man, I feel like it had to be something Eminem because I love Eminem. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I don't know. Any of you guys got yours right now? I was going to say, for mine, it would definitely have to be like, There He Go by Kodak Black. Uh, that would be my one. That would be my one song. I think lately I've just been trying to hammer and dominate everything in my path. All right? I've been knocking out full dump truck of wood, baby nursery. That got more been, stuff than doing. anybody else. I swear to uh, God. He my ain't. wife had me put in a fence around the garden this week. I put in a new dishwasher. So right, I'm get up, to the song. I, dirty deeds, baby. You just got to get gritty and get it done. I'd be dirty deeds. Live Your Life by Rihanna and T.I. because it's the greatest song ever made. Saying I've had for a while, it will be played at my wedding and my funeral. It's my favorite song of all time. <laughs> so whether or not it fits a movie made about me, it'd be played as the theme song. All right. Has okay. To. That's a good one. Did you pick yet? You, I, I probably, you know what? I might go with Jay-Z, Run This Town. Okay. I like that. I like, I that, like one. that. That's a great yeah. choice. Okay. That's a good choice. Hey, that's the pick six with Nate. Not, I thought Donnie had that. I got one more. I got one more. That's I was trying to cut Donnie off. This one's a little easier. I apologize, Donnie. If you had to coach high school football in any other state, which one would you pick? Couldn't do Ohio. You got to go somewhere else. Man, that's a good one. I'll tell you what. I ask the college coaches that come in, I ask them all the time. I say, where's the best place to coach? I think for me, I think the easy one to say would be Texas or probably Georgia because they take care of the coaches so well. You get to practice during the school day. But I think Nashville because I think it's a great place to live. I wouldn't mind living there. It's a little warmer, better conditions than here. Very similar to Columbus, nice suburban schools. So, Nashville. I like that. That's I a weird that. answer. I, I never would have guessed. That's a good question, Nashville. Donnie. I that's like a good that. question. I like that. That was that good. One. You really pulled it off. Did you do Finally. that? Or is that your fiance? <laughs> I'm not fiance. <laughs> that's why she's so much cooler than you. <laughs> All right, Donovan, get us into this main topic here yeah when we talk about rivalry games we all have it from experiences in college or Buckeye fans with seeing it in town with Ohio State Michigan or whatever it may be but then when I feel like you're a coach at high school it takes on a new meaning to have a rivalry game and specifically here the rivalry that's in this town is something that has been talked about and it's almost like a myth at this point of how historic it is how much value there is to it and so I'm going to get into that a little bit and just talk that the rivalry here and in general at rivalry games. But one of the questions on here, is there anything 
that you guys do year-round that kind of brings attention to this rivalry, that kind of keeps it at the focal point? I remember, I think it was Urban Meyer would always do something with the Michigan game. They'd always do – They had a Michigan period. Mm -hmm. Michigan period, yeah. They'd they'd always have a GA – I don't know if this one was true. They'd always have a GA, like studying Michigan every week. Now Michigan has a Georgia period. I saw that this year that they're Mm -hmm. working on. That's corny. Mm -hmm. That's corny. Mm -hmm. But is there anything you guys do as a program that, you know, or that you've seen in the past that – you guys do to put that at the focal point or really instill in your team, hey, you may be new to this program, you may be a freshman that's coming up, and I know you know about the rivalry, but this is what it really means to work for it and to work towards it. Yeah, right now we currently don't, but I think we tried everything. So it took my fifth year we beat them, and the first four years – I think we were trying everything. We tried the Michigan period. We tried the same music. I think the LL Cool J song that Ohio State yeah. played. Right? We were playing Ready for War in the locker room, different things. We, we tried it all. And I think you go back and forth. Are you putting too much emphasis on it? And like you said, we play a real tough schedule. We opened this year with Elder. So it's tough for us to take maybe 10 or 15 minutes to work on something that's so far down the line, it seems, at the time. Nothing pertinent like any of those stories, though. And that's that's the question I had. I think I've noticed with high school kids, and I think about that with game one sometimes too. Like you, you touch base on it. How do you make the game a big deal, but make sure you don't over hype it or psych out your own players? Yeah, I think that's the thing. even us this year playing elder. I think there's we did a study. There's only been three teams beat a GCL school from down in Cincinnati: Elder, Moeller, or X. It's Hilliard Davidson. The year they beat Elder to, to win a state championship, Pickerington Central's beat all of them a few times, and then DeSales beat St. X. Going down there to play, it's a really tough game. I know Gahanna's played a few of those schools, and it's not overhyping the game. And going into a stadium, the pit we're going to go to, there's going to be 11,000 people there. There's no track, no sideline. So how do you keep your kid's head? It's <laughs> That's the question that you want to make sure you don't put too much emphasis on it because win or lose it's week one you got to get ready for week two so I think that's where it's a fine line but I do have in a week one game matchup that's a really big game because I think it gives you something in the offseason to work for instead of playing yeah it's an awesome environment wait till you're there I just remember the year we year we were there so we played them the first year we had a dead to rights beat at Gahanna Hail Mary the back of the end zone questionable how we got to that point anyways but then we go down there year two to the pit, right? Did it all wrong. Took our kids to a buffet for a meal before. You know what I mean? It was our yeah. first time going on that yeah. long of a trip. And so we've changed how we even travel now based off of that. And we go there. We're there so early. We just got there so early, waiting around, almost lulled us to sleep, I think. They were clearly a way better team us this year for sure. And I just remember – Walking in, the pit is, they're right, man. It is a top 25 stadium in the U.S. And then I just know, I'm like, where is everybody? You know what I mean? Next thing I know, the entire student body runs out with the team. And it's from that point on, it was just like, go ahead and start the buses. This quarterback rolled out, threw it across himself, back of the end zone, threw three people. I'm like, it ain't our night, guys. You just brought up, sorry to cut you off, but student sections. And this is one of my favorite things about pick north pick central football game is the student sections and not in the game but the fact that they play a football game between the student sections at the local park right here and I think that's one of the coolest things that happens and I actually my first year when I was at pick north I actually went to the game and watched it and it was actually legit they actually fly around Nate how much do you like hear about that game being played. I know it's huge, especially seeing Twitter and everything. 
that the student section game, like, what do you think about that? That's just what makes it a really cool, just week, the rivalry, because all the other extracurricular things that, that kind of, as a football coach and the football team, you want to block out. The student section, they play the guys game, and then they play a girls game now, full tackle. The police know about it. They shut down Victory Park. It's incredible. Just the thought of school, the kids are walking with leashes with tigers, just walking around, stuffed animal tigers around the school. So there's some really neat things that go with that week. And not even only that, I always remembered the what we ran out of. The paper that the cheerleaders made was always something pretty vicious. I loved it. I mean, it just being a part of that, the rivalry is huge here, like growing up in it and everything. And how do you think your players do during the game when they know each other and they've all played against each other? How do you think that has like an effect on the game or them playing? I think that's what makes it so special. My kids grew up playing. I still remember my first year I go to Jimmy Wyrick's graduation party and you got Xavier Henderson, who was just at Michigan State. I think he might still be there. But all the kids that played at Central were at his graduation party. They're all friends after this. And they still talk about their memories when they're on the same team. And you know how Little League football is. They would load up one team. So a lot of them played together. Jack Sawyer and Lorenzo Stiles played together growing up. So all those things make it just a neat deal where the kids actually, they they have a really high respect for each other. They think they're, they obviously know that it's a big game and it's a lot to it. It's the parents that can be a little too out of control yeah. and want to fight or do some other things. It's big. I remember the year you mentioned that it was year five, that we beat them here. I just remember I was up in the press box and the game had already started and there's cars still trying to get in. Like literally, I've never seen this year. Like they they were parking people in every space of grass they could park. And I remember looking up and there was like, there were hundreds of cars still trying to get in. It was already packed. And I'm like, this is insane. It was like, we talked about most memorable moments last night. In terms of, it's one of those games I can remember thinking, because I had this perfect view of seeing the street and seeing everything going on and seeing the whole stadium from above. And it was one of those high school moments where I was like, oh my gosh, like how breathtaking it was to be in that big rivalry game and that atmosphere. And it's probably something I'll never forget, just that quick visual of that. Yeah. No, I agree. I What I'm sorry about is I never got to play at the ditch, though. You know what I mean? I never got to play there because we switched it to uh, It's a tough place Gahanna, to play at. Right? We went to Gahanna. That year, we ended up... I don't know what was going on. I forget what was going on, Nate. You might remember. The field flooded, Floods. so they couldn't yeah, play there. The yeah. flood. So yeah. then we ended up going to and playing at Gahanna. But to this day, everybody talks about playing in the ditch and the feeling of walking down to the stadium and or just pulling up to the stadium. And that's one thing that I'm sorry I never got to do. How do you feel about playing at the ditch? Do you, are you happy we're switching? They're switching stadiums now? Everybody getting turf out here? Are you happy of the switch? Yeah, I, you, they're playing there this year, which we play them at home this year, but they're going to play at least one more year down there. But there is something about the traditional stadiums. I feel like in Central Ohio, they're building a lot of the stadiums are just cookie-cutter stadiums. They all look the same. There's no tradition like the Elders or if you go up to Maslin or Austintown Fitch that have some really neat Mansfield Senior, the Arlen yeah. Field and it's stuff incredible. like that. Yeah. So there's something yeah. about that tradition where nothing against the Olentangies or Hilliards, but everybody's just building the same stadium. There's When you're walking down a hill, I think we had a couple players fall down, going down the black top. It's dangerous. Your legs are burning. So it's a different atmosphere. It rained the one year we played there, and it was sloppy. I remember <laughs> it, got, it turned into a mud bowl. I like it. So anything the last couple of questions we had on here and you mentioned it what do you do anything with social media around that game do you talk to your kids about it do you monitor what's going on 
how do you maybe handle social media as a coach in a big rivalry? Because I know these kids, they send each other stuff back and forth all the time. Yeah, I, I think we don't want anyone on social media. We tell them there shouldn't be anything posted. And really, I think we're going to go towards that full time. This summer, we had multiple of our kids would make a comment to somebody that puts something on Twitter or, or Instagram. And we've had coaches have to call them and say, hey, take that down right now. Because they think they're just saying it to them when everybody can see it. Yeah. And kids, kids just, <laughs> they got to learn. I think that's a battle like anywhere, no matter rivalry game or yeah. not with kids nowadays. I think that's a, it's a social media is going to be a battle no matter what. So getting into this last conversation, a lot of times we just, this is going to be a first time for us. A lot of times we have just topics we keep going on. And what we actually just wanted to do is just make it a conversation with you about anything. And it can go, I've got a couple questions that we came up with. I got a couple fan questions on here that people reached out and said about. And I think one that would be good to start with is what advice can you give for someone wanting to be a head coach or how do they separate themselves in an application interview stages? I think sometimes maybe you've been on a panel that's talked about some of these things. We have a lot of coaches that actually listen to the show. I know a lot of them are assistants. A lot of people want to be a head coach and you've been involved at doing this more than once and been successful. But so what could you say about that? Yeah, I think for anybody that wants to be a head coach and assistant, I think building your brand or building your resume, trying to find out who you are. And I think a lot of coaches, and I would recommend not jumping all the time to the maybe the most high profile title position going somewhere because you can be the defensive coordinator, you could be the head coach where maybe going somewhere where you can learn what it takes to run a successful program. So for me, to be able to learn from Bob Jacoby and see how you structure everything from the off season, the regular season. So a lot of assistants might go and take a job. I can be the D coordinator at some other place. Coach Saris, for example, came here. He was a freshman coach his first year for us. And I guarantee he probably could have went to another place and been a varsity assistant, maybe even been a defensive coordinator at a smaller school. But coming here, I think he got to learn from quality coaches from the entire staff and see how a program can be ran. What – as you get into that stage, so let's say somebody finally gets to that point of, hey, I, I got called back. How do you, and you could maybe talk to this too, how do you make yourself stand out today in 2023 in that interview process? Yeah, I think so. If you're an assistant and you haven't been a head coach and you two have both been gotten head coaching jobs, I think you have to separate yourself maybe even by sending something everybody's going to send in their resume I told coach Sayers I gave him a lot of the stuff I use but I think having a calendar and, and making sure you have a plan to show that you're ready that you know that being the head coach is more than just going out there on Friday night that how, what's your strength program going to look like how are you going to use fundraising you here and how are you going to fundraise and build something for your kids to raise money so all those other aspects I think are the the key thing that a principal or an AD wants to know, does he really know what he's getting himself into? Yeah, I sat in on a, I sat in on a soccer committee one time, and only two people came in with stuff like that. And it, it blew my mind because to me it just felt like so standard. But you could clearly tell, though, like I, it was even without that, it was like, okay, like I don't trust them to run the team <laughs> yeah. in the offseason. They didn't talk anything about 
what they're going to do around the year, how they're going to fundraise money, how they're going to handle maybe conflicts or things that come up, how they're going to communicate. Then even talk about what most of us have to do. How do you run the strength and conditioning and actually develop players in the mm-hmm. offseason? And it was just crazy because I think maybe they were thinking they have somebody that does it. Well, for many teams or 95% of us, we don't have that. So I just wanted to do that question with how many people are I think are the there. thing that's like the biggest difference is like that I run into when I'm hiring people is the assistants are not like the same now. Everybody wants to have a title, right? Like everybody – when I came to pick North, I messaged Nate and he – Imagine this, Nate ain't messaged me back for like he's, probably a month. He's, he's okay, but no, here's the thing. And then he messaged me back asking about what I'm interested in doing, whatever. And like, I know, I remember my initial thing is just whatever you need me to do. And I think that's like something that a lot of the assistants have lost. Or when I first got here, I didn't get paid a single dollar. I was still student teaching. I was going to work at Walmart as a cashier after every single practice. And so I was grinding it out just because I wanted to be here and be a part of something. And that was more important to me than maybe the title of being just a freshman coach. Or I didn't even have a title coming in. I really just bounced around at the beginning and then took over the freshman team and helped out a ton in the weight room and stuff. And it was really just wherever Nate needed me to be. I was going to be there no matter what, if it was at five in the morning, if it was at seven at night, wherever he said. And so that's where it's the difference like now. And I wish more assistants were like that is in the fact of, oh, I'm just going to go do whatever I can to help that head coach. Quick question. Do you still have your Walmart vest? I probably do, to be Can honest. Can you please yeah. wear it the next episode? Yeah. Actually, I you might. have to Actually, wear the Walmart vest on I'll the next try to episode. find that. I'll try to find it. But I had a light blue one because I was the customer service manager by the time I finished up there. And it was the Morse Road Walmart, can too. You, can you believe rough. that this guy it was got me to be in charge of there. handling oh, people and customers? Issues? did you cuss out any times? The Dude, there service. was multiple times <laughs> I would be like, bro, I'm getting off at 7. You guys can meet me out in that parking lot. Like, it was crazy. Like I would, And I would be leaving right from practice. Just like, dude, throwing like cargo shorts on and like uh-huh. my vest and everything right out of practice, actually leaving right from Grapevine because we would all go over to Grapevine and be like, I can't hang out any longer, guys. I'm up. I'm out of here. But that was a good time. But I just feel like assistants need to get more to that. I don't know if you guys see that again, but or have you seen that? But for me, I'm just like, when am I going to get an assistant? All right, I'm going to do everything we can. Like, I'm just going to be there every day, all the time. You know what I mean? No matter what. I think it's tough. And I have a few. I have a few assistants that do that. And and it's just, it blows my mind because I'm like, there was no matter what I was going to do. I think it's tough. I think it depends on guys' schedules too. You know what I mean? We have a, I think it's very hard to get guys in the building. A lot of districts don't want to do it. I think we went through a long period of time where it was almost shunned upon to have football coaches be teachers and take up spots, coach in the building. And so I think we we Still run into that day, we yeah. run into some availability issues. Like it's hard to be, hey, we're gonna go like Donovan. Donovan has a regular job, and Donovan is so committed that he sometimes uses days to do things with our yeah. team. You know what I mean? And then so it's hard to sometimes how I've changed is you, you can't expect everybody to be able to do everything because of that. So I guess when they're there, how are they using their time when they're there? You guys talk about the grind a lot and like that aspect. And then like you said, working other jobs and it had me thinking about the question on here, but in general, what there, so this is my second year coaching. You guys have way more experience doing this than I do. And I still think I saw a lot of what it's like to be a coach just in general for high school last year. But one of the things I wanted to open, ask you and everybody else is what do you think people who don't 
coach high school football specifically or any high school sport, even if they played the game, what is, what's something you think they just don't get about what it takes to be a high school coach, not just a head coach or a coordinator, but just in general, I think, I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, Oh, it's fun. It's the Friday night, but then you see the grind where you're working at Walmart as a customer service rep, or you're taking vacation time or doing whatever. And they don't see that behind the scenes. I think it's the time outside of football. And I would guarantee, especially once you have kids and everyone knows you practice, so you're going to be here at practice. But then it's on, on Sunday night when you're putting in the practice plan and how much time is spent to plan out the scripting, the practice. So you're putting all the plays in. And I know Coach Stout spends countless hours. So all that time is spent just to get ready for practice. And that's what get, you get frustrated as a coach because then practice doesn't go the way you want it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it gets you going, but it's all the time outside of that because it, it's a lot easier. I know sometimes I think some coordinators have told me this and head coaches that it'd be easier to just show up maybe as a position coach and just coach the linebackers. And somebody tell me like, hey, this is the schedule. This is what we're doing an inside run. This is what we're doing a team where when Coach Stout was with me, he's scripting all the inside run. And there's a lot of time that he has to put in outside of just the hours when we're actually here i would say i think i would say the time as well and it's the time that people don't see and it's the sacrifice of that time like what it's going to come at a cost too like it's going to come at a cost that you're not with your family it's going to come at a cost that you're not with your kids it's going to come at a cost of hey on sunday i'm doing this for eight hours and I might take a couple breaks to hang out with my kids or help my wife with something in the time it goes into it. And like what you said, too, you put all that time in, and then if it doesn't go well in practice or the effort's not there, you can take it personal, too. I would just say, too, is parents, I don't know if the word is expectations or what, but nobody here is Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? If we were Bill Belichick, we wouldn't be coaching high school football. You know what I mean? Probably. And I don't know. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of good creative high school coaches like I've even heard people say there's more creativity the lower the level you go but I think what people have to realize is we care a lot and we're human we're gonna make wrong calls we're gonna in a moment make a mistake that we have to learn from as coaches and reflect on and just the how the how people can come at you for those moments like I'll tell you that you talked about 10 and 2 and they told you yeah not a great year or whatever, mm -hmm. right we were 13 and 2 and I had a parent jump me after the awards night. And I'm like, we just did something that hasn't been done in 40 years in this community. You know what I mean? With a player that played in almost every game. So just understanding that we care. We love these kids. We're passionate about what we do. But we are human. And we're not going to do everything perfect. Yeah, I mean, I agree. All those things are spot on. I think, like, the expectation of the parents is probably the hardest thing to manage right now in the game because everybody – sees it as their ticket out, right? Like they see their kid as a ticket out, maybe with the NIL deals and things like that. And so it does get brutal, but I always remind my parents, I didn't try to lose that game, right? There's no reason why I would go into a game and be like, oh, I want to lose this game. No, I put all these hours, I just put 14 hours of film in this week. If, you, if I thought that was a bad call, I wouldn't have called that call. And I think that's the thing that like frustrates me the most. And then also, I try to spoil my assistants over there. You just got to come to football and coach. I'm going to paint the practice field. I'm going to water the game field. I'm going to make sure everything's perfectly set up for you. If you tell me what drills you're doing, we're going to make sure the field's ready for you to come in and just coach football. And, and I think that's also a different part about, like, environmentally-wise, everything's going to change, like, no matter what school you're at. You're going to put more time into certain things or less time into certain things, depending on where you're at. 
And for me, I think it's a lot more of the behind the scenes and also working with my kids emotionally in the city is probably like the toughest thing to navigate also as a head coach, I would say. And just the matter of getting everything ready when you play on grass and, and trying to keep everything perfectly aligned and especially practice field, you don't want to paint that. But every Monday, Thursday, it got to get painted. I bought a can of spray paint out our field for our first practice when a tape measure because nothing was lined. So I feel you. I feel the pain. Yeah, how many times you do that? Just once. Oh, yeah. We're but, on, I'm on to number 11 this year. Yeah, I've painted so. my practice field 11 times. Let's get into – I had this down, and I want Nate to take over and have him talk. Yeah. This year, your motto is details. And just talk to us about – just talk to us next year about your team. Talk to us about details, what that means, what was the decision that went into it, and how are you implementing that with your team? Yeah, and I, really we stole the motto that, from TCU. So last year I was watching a story on them and probably before the football playoffs, and they all had it on their shirt, and they were just talking about doing all the little things right, not necessarily on the field, not taking your first step correctly, picking your water bottle up or your trash up, closing your locker, all those things. And we talked to our kids. We return, a, I think, a, a good football team. We're always going to have great players here, kids that work hard, do whatever they're asked. But I think for us, we if we want to take the next step and really push to be like the to compete with the St. Eds and the top teams in Ohio, then it's going to be the small details and doing the little things right. And that's what we want our kids to focus on. And it was really in the off season. It was your foot's behind the line. You know, that when you leave the weight room, everything's better than it was before you got there. So just emphasizing all the details in every single thing they do. What about how do you think you've adapted as a coach over the years and what ways have you adapted? This is a fan one. I think it's really good. Yeah, I think that's the key to for any good coach. Like, if you want to have longevity, if you want to – this is going to be my 14th year as a head coach. You're going to have to adapt because the kids change every year. You get new players. You lose a quarterback. Your running back that was a stud maybe graduates. Your numbers change, so you got to change your practice plan. I know you and I have had conversations, so every year you're always adapting. I think that's what makes a great head coach because you're going to get input from your assistants – but it's how do you adapt year to year based on your team. Sometimes it might be, hey, we're running a three-man front this year because we don't have enough D linemen. So I think in everything aspect, you got to evaluate your program, see where it's at, and what do you need to change to, to fit your kids and your players best. Who do you guys have week two after Elder? So week two, we get Pine Richland comes here who won the state in the Division two level in, in Pittsburgh. Then we play UA, then pick Central. So it's a a tough run. It's never I, easy. No, and then never I, I think, easy. Yeah, I think we have one of the never. best, maybe the best league overall in, in Ohio. With Hannah went to the Final Four, New Albany went to the regional finals. If you look across, I think I was talking to Coach Ward about this last year. I think every team from our side of the division beat a league champ from other divisions. We beat yeah. UA. I think you guys, you guys beat one of the league well, champs point, from another uh, league. Well, at one point in time, it was we were all like fighting for the top it was like three or four out of us were the top five in the region too it just kept yeah. m moving around almost the whole year it was crazy new albany beat i think marysville who won their league it was one of those things it's tough i what grove city was in the top eight of our region so coach i got one last question for you what is the toughest loss you've ever had as a head coach that's the extra point question. That's it. That yeah. is. I had this in my mind. That was going to be my pick six segment, but I know which one I would choose in my time here, but I want to know which one of yours is. What 
they're really our last two seasons against New Albany have been really tough because both of them knocked us out of contention to win the league. So not this year, the year previous, they scored with eight seconds left to beat us. And if we had won that game, we'd had at least a share of a league title for back-to-back years. And then this year, we lost by one. We had a lead with three minutes. And I think both of those, I think, are really painful because I think there's things that that I could have made, maybe even like game situational, like decisions I could have physically made that it could have changed it. You run it back and you're like, man, if I had called a timeout right here or we did that, there's so many things that I think we could have t- changed. But I think you remember the losses a lot more than the wins. If you're yes. going through the wins over the years, you'll have a lot of big wins, but usually the losses, you remember all of them. Like I could go through every year and tell you, man, that loss, even when I was at Hamilton, some of our losses to to Taze Valley or we lost a canal one year we could have won the league when they're still in the mid-state league we've had some that that, that rough pick central one. losses the pick central do you remember the 28-0 we were up at halftime and they came back and beat us at Reynoldsburg that 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 one still didn't I don't day. think it was 28-0 yeah but it was that was like 21-0 I was there scouting we almost left we were there and we said we'll watch uh, a little bit of the third quarter, and we'll see what happens. And the next thing you know, you could just see the game changing. I remember we were up in the I stands. I don't even remember, one. like, what happened to that I game. Do. Like, I just sat there and was just like, I know oh when they had an interception for a touchdown, and I've, their stadium was so loud. Yeah. It was rocking. And then they, they charged the field. It wasn't the only interception in that second. Yeah, it was not the only interception. It was so. a long – that was a long night, but – now, I think every loss, you just remember yeah. everything. You go back through the plays and you're like, yep. oh, if we would have just got one yard here. It, and football really is a game of inches. And yeah. we've seen that day in and day out when we're coaching football. This has been something we've been talking a lot. And we've talked with other coaches and we've learned how football is in Texas and in Tennessee. If you were in charge of the OHSA and football, what are some things you would change? Number one right now, I would say next year we're playing nine games instead of ten. Because the playoff rule, I don't think – I would prefer to go back to eight teams. Let's just say we're going to say 16 probably forever. They're never going to take teams away. So with that, what I would say is let's play nine because the season's – 16 games is too many for a high school kid, in my opinion. And I think you guys played 15 this year. And I remember thinking, gosh, we played 13 the year before – played 12 this year that's a lot of games you're going into basketball season so I would say I would cut it one game from the beginning of the year so that way you're only playing nine still get 16 in and then I would let the guys that don't make the playoffs they could play a week 10 game which Mm -hmm. I think would be great for them too so then if the two couple teams that don't make the playoffs they can say hey let's play week 10 so they can end with a competitive game that way that's kind of what happened my my brother played at Gahanna in 2020 in the COVID years his senior year and they had something I don't remember who their last actual regular season game was. And then they had some exhibition game at Lancaster or something. And it it wasn't for no one's record change, nothing, but they just played it. And that idea right there, they're both out of the playoffs at that point because I still think in 2020 the playoffs. Yeah, almost like a bowl game. Yes, and he was like, I love this. I didn't think I was going to play one more game. Now I get one more game just randomly out of the And then you play two teams that – it'll be a competitive matchup. End the season on some momentum for one of those teams. I didn't love – how COVID cut the season short, but I do remember how we played those six games and you're right in the playoffs. There was no losing focus. There was no like hit a mid season lull, hit a mountain. It was lit. Everybody was bought in, locked in. And it just was such a different season with a little bit of the shorter thing. And it got me thinking the same thing too, is do we have to have 10? Obviously six is too short, but like, I agree with you, and I will agree with the uh, the playoff thing as well too. But that we don't, 
expanding it or make it proportional to the teams in the region. Something, yeah. you know what I mean? Because ours only has 16 usually, but there are some that have 25, 30, and, and maybe that one's a little bit larger. Maybe there is a percentage that we're going to say it could be. Is there anything else you change other than the schedule? No, I think that'd be it. There might be some other things, but this guy must be on a campaign to be with him. Yeah, yeah, question was going <laughs> no. at. Oh my gosh, man! I thought he was going to give me something juicy. What about pads, man? What do you think? How, what's your take on how we are in our summer here in Ohio? I'll tell you what. I like the two weeks acclimation a little earlier because I know you guys are doing it all in one week. We went with the idea of we're spreading out two weeks and just two days each week where we're doing some pads. And then that way, the next day we can just lift, condition, watch film and still have a summer. I think one of the things we did this year that we you talk about adapting and changing, we went to Fridays off this year. I've always went Monday, Wednesday, Friday all summer. We went Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and I thought our kids... He took that, that from me. I gave there we go. I gave him a little something for once. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're always looking to see what people do, but I think those things that was big for us. But we scrimmage on the fourth. It's going to be here. It's here before. It's here. I mean, it, no, yeah, like, it's, it's, here. it's here. It's no joke. I remember I was just like a month ago, right? Oh, it's June. We're good. We're in a great spot right now. Now I'm like, oh hmm. my god, we line up next week. I got one last question, and if you guys have anything, you can ask it. This is something. I really wanted to ask, like, how do you approach coaching high-profile high school players or these next-level players? Like, you have them every year. We've been here with some of them. And I'm asking this because you hear coaches say all the time, you like, you got to coach and treat everybody the same. But really, can you? Because I think some of those players are in a, a different situation. They have a lot going on. They have a lot of pressure on them. Like, we saw the pressure change our kids like I've never seen before, yeah. wrestling with decision of where to commit. And so my ask to you is, do you treat them exactly the same? Do you treat them the same else? Can you even do that? Or how do you just approach handling the kids at that level? Yeah, I think, I don't think you can treat every kid the same in general, just how you do anything, just because kids are so different. But I, when I was at Hamilton, we had a kid go to Louisville and we had another kid go to Bowling Green and it was not normal to go to division one that it was even different there. It was almost so much harder where here, it's pretty, we have, right now, there's five kids from Pickerington that are at Ohio State. So going to play Division One football, Pickerington kids, they almost expect it. So it's a little, I don't want to say easier here, but you have a little more talent and it's a little more normal to have a kid go commit to play at Illinois or wherever it may be. But I think it is tough. If I'm coaching Ryan Sayers at Austin Town Fitch, I like that kid that has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's 5'11", 195 thinks he could play division one and he's out there smacking people first team all ohio but i like Bleached those hair yeah, yeah. 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 coming yeah. out there just dirty grimy just straight savage that's it you want those tough nasty that are that have a little chip and play with that now not saying that we've had kids the that still play that way that are maybe going to play at akron or ohio state but those type of kids, and you can tell when we play some of the teams, when you play a, it used to be Hoyer Davidson that, that plays that different role. Like they have a chip and they're like, oh, these, these kids are going to play. Sometimes it's a, just a different type of coach. When Coach Sayers was here, you had Jack would work out with Larry Johnson in the summer and 
Coach Sayers would tell him something to do, and Jack would be like, Coach Johnson wants me to do this, and he would flip out, and it's and I'd have to calm him down, look, buddy. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. Love like, that. There was a bunch of times where yeah. I was like, no, Jack, we don't do that here. We're not doing it. But I love no. that. Hey, that, that I think that was the tough, that would be one of the toughest it's, pieces when they're going to work out with their college coach, and then Jack would come back like, they taught me this. Well, you can't, I can't teach all the other 10 guys this because yeah. you're way more advanced than those guys. It's like the standard for some of those kids can't be any, like the standard for your program for them can't be any lower than the other kids. If anything, theirs can be higher because of their ability. I think Jack, and that's a fact, like Jack, I think that's what Jack went through here though. Like we expected so much more out of Jack Just tough in for kids any sometimes. type of situation and that he might, if he ended up jogging a rep or something like that, or to, which Jack rarely did, I'm just making something up, but if he did something like that, I think we would all jump on him way more than we would a guy that might be on the second string or something like that just to show that he's not better than everybody else. And I think that's in a testament to what Nate has done here. And we had a ton of D1 dudes, right? Tyler Foster, Ben Johnson, Jack Sawyer, you have all these D1 dudes. But finding a way to treat them like they aren't better than everybody else was hard. But you got to build a relationship and you got to get them to buy in. Because if they don't, you're in a bad situation because obviously you need to play them. And if they're trying to go against the grain of your program, it can ruin a program. And that's how you see some of the programs that have had a lot of really good players and not won a lot of games. Yeah. Ain't best guy anything? All right, man. Nothing. Sayers, wrap it up. Coach, thank you. Coach Hillerich for joining us. Arguably one of the best coaches in Central Ohio or even just a regular Ohio itself. But – Thank you for going over the rivalry with us and also talking about what a little bit of what it means to Pickerington North and as well as just having an open conversation. That was our first one. We do appreciate that. Everybody, make sure you guys subscribe. You guys watch our video. Give us our views. Give us our comments. Make sure you let us know what you want to hear next time, what you want to see that's better. Also, shout out to Fundraising University, my guy Brent Maxwell. Make sure you guys get with them if you want to maximize your fundraising efforts in your program. But that'll wrap it up for tonight. Yeah, thanks, Nate. And we're going to talk a little bit, probably on the next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about how season one is nearing to a close as we're all getting ready to start. And we've been going for months talking about what are we going to do in the fall. And I think we figured out a plan that isn't a complete stop, but definitely doesn't sacrifice our programs, our kids, our significant others and things like that. And so we'll let everybody know like what we're going to do moving forward. So I think the next episode, we're going to be talking the super offense. I was going to say, send us our all gas offense. I got a couple texts already that, oh, this guy better be on your guys' all gas stuff. That got a lot of views and a lot of comments. And so I'm going to reach out to, and we're going to talk how we're going to split that up tonight too. So we've got that, this episode, we got the all gas offense, and then we're going to talk about the fall. So, Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later.